Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture. A better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a Human Touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. In a letter to Governor Gavin Newsom and state legislatures, a group of more than 165 California agriculture, business, logistics, labor organizations, and local elected officials warned that current supply chain challenges and pending and proposed state policies impacting freight, imports, and exports require urgent attention. State regulations not properly supported by infrastructure, investments, and flexibility in implementing timelines create insurmountable problems for all Californians. Inevitably, imports and exports at the many California ports will slow to a crawl as they did during COVID. With that will come less available food and other supplies, higher prices, the loss of thousands of supply chain jobs, and worsening economic conditions throughout California, especially in disadvantaged rural communities. Requesting an immediate meeting with Governor Newsom, the letter discusses the real-world impacts of state policies that attempt to force transitions faster than the adoption of the technology or creation of supporting infrastructure necessary for their implementation. While the coalition understands the important goals and aims of policies, some of which take effect as soon as January 1st. They are increasingly concerned with unresolved economic feasibility, technological challenges, and lack of essential infrastructure required to make them a reality by 2035. Fortunately, California is presently making significant progress in air quality within the limits of technology and funding, but they can only go as far as reality and feasibility allow. The coalition looks forward to collaborative and constructive decisions with with Newsom and the administration around regulatory relief and infrastructure investments that result in meaningful solutions with the win-win goal of growing the California economy and reducing greenhouse gas emissions simultaneously. Nominations have opened for the next round of Farm Worker of the Year awards in Stanislaus County. The fourth annual contest has a $3,000 top prize and lesser amounts for other finalists. The Stanislaus County Farm Bureau sponsors the awards with AgSafe, a nonprofit involved in worker training, and the Modesto Rotary Club. The awards go to hired hands who help make Stanislaus one of the nation's most diverse and productive farm counties. They irrigate crops, spray pesticides, care for livestock, and the like. Workers can be nominated until January 15th at stanfarmbureau.org. The winners will be announced March 19th as part of the Rotary's weekly luncheon at the Doubletree Hotel. The California Cotton Ginners and Growers Association President and CEO Roger Isom and Director of Technical Services Chris McLaughlin recently attended a San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District Governing Board meeting. The board heard a specific item on another allocation of $60 million to the Funding Agriculture Replacement Measures for Emissions Reduction Program, which partnered with the Federal Natural Resources Conservation Service Tractor Replacement Program and has been vital for the agricultural industry in replacing over 12,000 tractors equivalent to the reduction of over 11 tons of daily emissions on a voluntary basis over the past seven years. The funding has also been utilized to replace ATVs and UTVs with electric equivalent equipment. 
During public comment, Isom got up and spoke on the value of the program to staving off a mandatory tractor replacement rule. He also pointed out that while the primary focus of the replacement rule has been the reduction of nitrous oxide emissions, there have been increased reductions in greenhouse gas emissions in the Central Valley attributed to these replacement programs. Additionally, Isom highlighted that farmers have spent nearly $470 million to replace their equipment through the farmer program over the past seven years. McLaughlin's comments focused on thanking the Air District's grant and incentive staff in assisting in application questions and providing much-needed help throughout the application and funding allocation process. The Air District acknowledged that they currently have over $300 million in projects currently under contract or in the application phase, but are strongly encouraging potential applicants to get paperwork filled out. Grape pricing is expected to stay firm until more imported fruit arrives as the grape supply in North America has largely transitioned over to imports. In California, the state is finishing shipping grapes ahead of schedule following the impact of the tropical storm Hillary back in August and what it had on the crop. Nearing the end of December, shipping is slightly less than 1 million packages a week. That is about half of what it is typically during this point in December. Mother Nature had gifted California with cooler temperatures and rainier weather during this past season and the early spring of 2023. As a result of the cool winter weather, the typical pistachio harvest start date was delayed by about two weeks, according to Diane Salsa, Vice President of Marketing for Wonderful Pistachios. Despite the delay, harvest peaked in late September and concluded in October like it normally does, she said. This year's crop volume is up compared to the previous year, with California's crop size to be about 1.58 billion pounds, the largest crop in history. Being the world's largest vertically integrated processor and marketer of pistachios, their products find their way in the domestic market, but a considerable amount of branded and bulk pistachios are exported as well, she says. The main distribution points for the company's pistachio products include the U.S., Canada, China, Europe, and the Middle East and India. Pistachio consumption has increased globally, and as a result, exports have shown an upward trend. In addition to some of the modern retail in Western Europe, Wonderful is exploring and serving emerging markets in Eastern Europe. These countries have growing economies and are shifting to healthier snacking. The Middle East is a market with high pistachio awareness as well, and their strategy is to offer high-quality product and dependable delivery. Another key market for Wonderful's pistachio products is India. The country's imports reached an all-time high this year, going up from less than 30 million pounds in 2020 to more than 60 million pounds in 2023. Tariff reduction and VAT standardization have contributed significantly to this growth. In addition, growing health trends drive demand for pistachios for snacking, ingredient use, and gifting. Nuts are a relevant cultural holiday or hostess gift in India, and Wonderful Pistachios dedicates efforts each year to encourage the gifting of pistachios pistachios during their holiday season. And despite the record import numbers from India, there are still opportunities for growth. In India, almonds and cashews have long been integrated into their everyday eating habits. Pistachios, on the other hand, are more established as an ingredient than a snack. They are most often used as a topping or garnish to cook or bake with. They are working to help reframe pistachios in consumers' minds as also being a healthy snack, offering opportunities to increase consumption. In addition, based on their own internal research, Salsa says Wonderful Pistachios has concluded that about 75% of Indian consumers have eaten pistachios before. As the most populous country in the world, India is a priority market for Wonderful, and the company plans to further invest in India to better support their local market with bulk pistachios. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. 
It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree net industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, sharing valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. Two thousand four hundred images out of these two hundred seventy thousand, they had Johnson grass in it, and uh, so we came up with a map of the distribution of these species along the roads across four states in in the in the U.S. in a matter of a couple of weeks. Uh, something that if you want to do it by a car, it will take you seven months, eight months at least. UC Davis is most in Muskegon describing how a new weed identification tool works that uses Google Images and artificial intelligence. The advancement could help growers and or land managers easily and quickly survey for other problem plants. The focus of the tool, coined Google Weed View, has been Johnson grass, a noxious weed that growers have tried managing with herbicides, burning, and hand pulling. It can crowd out native plants, harbor pathogens, and affect agriculture. Now, the ag industry has a more high-tech tool in the toolbox, which Mesquiten explained the background on. A colleague of mine, Dr. Kasim Al Khatib, he wanted to do a survey of. They had a fund from USDA uh, to do a survey on the distribution of this uh, species. It's called Johnson grass, and it's widespread in the U.S. So they had they had this multi-state funding to to do all sorts of things. And one of them was to do a survey and get some idea about the distribution of these species in, in California. So he wanted me to do that. Uh, you know, and usually what they do, they 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 do it by car. So they drive all different random places and then look if they can find it. Uh, and then they would record the, the location. So when I, I I was asked by my colleague to do this, I said, look, I have a better idea. I've done a couple of other things with Google. Uh, uh, it was a while that, you know, you, you use Google Street View and you can see plants along the roads. And if you're an expert in this area, you can identify the plants. So I said, why not using this? Uh, it's If you want to do it manually, it's, it's difficult, you know, just click, click, click. And I did a search and I thought, oh, Google provides the API so you can send the location along the road and then they will send back the picture of that location. And uh, so, yeah, they have an API and it's uh, uh, $7 per 1000 images. And if you go above a certain limits, uh, then it would be $5.6 per 1000 images. So it's pretty cheap actually. To take to get images from Google, so uh, all I, I did was was to come up with some codes and uh, to to do this programmatically rather than by human, you know. So I uh, you give a map, you give a map to this tool, it will, and then you define how far the samples, you know, the interval between samples, every ten meter, hundred meter, or kilometer along the roads. So the the map is there. It will drop these points on this roads at the interval that you specify. Send information to Google to get the image, but the, there is a trick here because Google provides images in 360 angle. It's like a spherical, 
but all we need is just perpendicular to the road because we want the image from the side. Now the, the, the part that needs AI is that, okay, the picture is from the vegetation or anything, but we don't know what it is in it. The second part was to retrieve thousands of images. I think we uh, randomly sample about 30,000 images. And I had a student who went through these images and watched them, watched them one by one to see if he can find this particular weedy species. And uh, we were we were trying to get at least 1,000 images that they have Johnson grass in it. So after watching about 30,000 images, we identified about 10, about 1,000 images with Johnson grass. And then the second step, the third step is to go and draw a bonding box. Just label the image. Okay, within this image, this is the weed that we are interested in. This is the object that we are interested in. And once we label this 1,000 images, then we use deep learning. And uh, the, the deep learning uh, model that we use, which is a kind of now gold standard is YOLO. Uh, and YOLO is not for YOLO County. It's you only look once. That's the name. It's it's a uh, uh, when we started, they had the version two, and now version eight is out there, and it's it's much uh, I think faster. It's faster and more accurate. So we used YOLO to to train the deep learning this this algorithm that can identify, can locate, not only identify. It would go and find with an image if the first if there is Johnson grass, and second if there is where it is. Meskadin said weed surveys by car are typically very costly, but this tool reduces that cost multiple times over and greatly reduces the time to complete a survey. Instead of a day of in-person driving, he said artificial intelligence can determine if Johnson Graphs is in a county or not. Excluding the salary and all those sort of stuff, just the, the, the fee you pay for the rental, car rental, accommodation, and food, it's about 40000 uh, to do this survey. But the amount we spent was less than $2,000. And we could do it in a, from the beginning to the end in less than a month. Given the initial success of Google Weed View in research, the technique can easily be extended to other plant species. All that is needed is to label the new item in Street View Photos and train the algorithm to identify that object in the images. By providing location information, Google Weed View also offers an opportunity to examine how climate affects the growth and spread of weeds and invasive plants at very large scales. Across the U.S., there are 4,000 uh, data points for Johnson grass collected over 100 years. And we, in a matter of months, we added 2,000 more records. So now that you have this location data distributed across the, the, the U.S., you go and, and look at the climate associated with those points and build another model. It's called, again, a species distribution model. You build another model that shows how the presence absence of a species is related to the climate. So you, ma you make this model. And now you know what's, you know, there are scenarios where for the climate change, you know, the two degree increase uh, worse and uh, or 
less optimistic or more optimistic uh, scenarios, you know that how the climate would look like in 50 years ahead. And then uh, you can, you can uh, based on the relationship that you came up with for the, your species, you can, you can predict how this species distribution would look like with the climate change. And uh, so people have done it uh, for uh, many species, but we always have this problem of uh, the, the, the location of a species, where the species uh, is, is present. And uh, and that's that's a, that's a, that's a big problem uh, because for many species we don't have enough records to make a reliable model, and then see how the climate change is going to affect that. So that's one of the things you can do with this uh, this one. Mesquerin said the tool can also become a good ecological tool for identifying distribution of native and invasive plant species on a national and global scale. You're listening to my ag life. I'm Taylor Jalstrom. Attention ag professionals, how do you maximize your efforts in your fields without breaking the bank? Come find out at the Inputs Ag Summit on January 10th in Fresno. Network with the best companies looking to help you save money and resources, making your dollars go further in the field. This is your chance to stay ahead and thrive in the face of challenges. The time to make a difference is now. You can't afford to miss out. Visit myaglife.com forward slash events to register or call 559-352-4456. Food insecure households have difficulty providing enough food for their members because they lack resources. USA's Economic Research Service monitors the extent of food insecurity in U.S. households at the national and state levels through an annual U.S. Census Bureau survey. State-level estimates are obtained by averaging three years of data to generate a larger sample size in each state. This provides more precise estimates and more ability to detect differences across the states. The national three-year average was 11.2% of American households classified as food insecure. Of that 11.2%, findings range from 6.2% in New Hampshire to 16.6% in Alaska. Food insecurity was statistically significantly higher than the national average in six states, including Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Texas. The prevalence of food insecurity was statistically significantly lower in 17 states, including California, Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota, North and South Dakota, Wisconsin, and many others. The partisan fight in Congress over tougher southern border controls to stem record illegal immigration is now slowing legal farm trade with America's biggest foreign customer, Mexico. The fight that's kept lawmakers from passing a national security supplemental bill this year is now spilling over into trade with impacts for grain and other farm shipments to Mexico. Number two, Senate Republican South Dakota's John Thune told reporters just outside the Senate chamber recently. Real, real crossings in the United States are shut down temporarily because Customs and Border Patrol had to shift their employees over to processing migrants. An unforeseen impact to relieve overwhelmed Border Patrol agents, but that is now impacting grain feed and ethanol exports at rail crossings in Eagle Pass and El Paso, Texas. We now have an important bilateral trade arrangement or bilateral trade coordination between us and Mexico that no longer exists. Hopefully that's only temporary, but again, it's a symptom of this problem, which is a national security threat and we can't trade with our biggest trading partner in the world. 
Leading ethanol groups to issue statements that the rail shutdown was halting shipments each day of millions of gallons of bioethanol and co-products like high-protein animal feed. Similar complaints came from grain export groups. The railroads and lawmakers are protesting the move that closed two of the six railroad systems that cross the border and affects farm and consumer goods going all over the U.S. as well as into Mexico. The USDA's 100th Annual Agriculture Outlook Forum is coming up February 15th and 16th in Arlington, Virginia. The event's name is Cultivating the Future and features a lot of information farmers and agricultural stakeholders will find useful. USDA's opening program at the event includes a chance to get valuable insights as USDA's chief economist unveils the agency's outlook for the domestic agricultural economy in the new year. USDA's Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack will highlight the history and evolution of agriculture in the U.S. while painting a vision for the future. It's a chance to find out more about initiatives aimed at preserving farmland, protecting farmers, and creating new revenue streams for small and mid-sized producers. State leaders will share their perspectives on the future of agriculture and the challenges faced by producers. It's also a chance to discover emerging technologies that are reshaping farming and creating exciting new opportunities today and in the future. Food prices could make news again in 2024, but a different kind of news. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. In 2022, food prices at the grocery store made news by increasing just under 11.5%. This current year looks like prices will rise by about 5 And what about 2024? Food prices are expected to continue to decelerate or slow in 2024. In fact, USDA says they could descend enough to make news of a different kind, a happy kind. USDA economist Megan Schweitzer told us... Food at home prices... That's food bought at the grocery store... ...are predicted to decrease 0.6% in 2024. Down by six-tenths of a percent below 2023, and the news story from that is this... The last time we saw a decline in food prices at the grocery store, an annual decline, was in 2017... Seven years ago, and if I sound excited about that, I am. But Megan says I shouldn't be too excited just yet. We are quite a ways out from the end of next year. And so grocery store food price possibilities range from going down by about 5% or on up by about 4.5%. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. CNH Industrial has launched the world's first tractor that's accessible for people with lower limb disabilities. The new Holland TL5 was produced in Brazil and developed in partnership with several inclusive mobility companies. CNH also enlisted farmer and customer Fernando Dalmolin, who uses a wheelchair following an incident that left him without the use of his legs to help with developing the tractor under the new Holland brand. The tractor has a unique lifting platform and joystick controls that allow users to enter and exit the tractor without help. When are inside the tractor, users can operate the tractor with adapted functionality. In the U.S., at least 634,000 farmers and ranchers have a disability, with many reporting physical limitations. Brazil estimates that 7.8 million of its people have lower limb disabilities. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast and live and virtual events jcs marketing has the reach to inform educate and influence growers in the western united states everywhere you go you see west coast nut magazine on every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that is there so they're reading our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. 
Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 